0: Hi, my name is Paige Albright, and this is Life After a Trojan, the podcast where I interview past Trojans to see what they've done since their time at West and what they remember most from West High. This episode's guest is Senator Zach Walls, a former Trojan who graduated in 2009. He went on to get his master's in public affairs, and today he works in Des Moines as our Iowa legislator. Okay, so my first question is, I did a little bit of reading and... Um, I read that you started off as an engineering major and then you like switched to, I think it was public administration, public affairs, I think.
1: Um, yeah. I'm talk a little bit about that. So, so the, the way it went down, so I graduated from, from West in 2009. I mm-hmm. uh, went to the University of Iowa and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. But I around that time, was starting to get really interested in climate change and a lot of these environmental issues. and decided that really wanted to do was to be an engineer and I'll go work in the field and I was never great at math but I was like good enough at math that I thought I'd be able to get get along and, and be okay and then when I was a sophomore at the University of Iowa 10 years ago gave a short speech about lesbian parents video that speech went viral and I wound up finishing that semester at the university of Iowa but then took some time away from school to travel and do some advocacy work across our state and then across the country and when I finally decided to re-enroll my top priority was really trying to finish the degree as quickly as possible so I could get back into the world and keep doing advocacy work and engineering was really not a good way of doing that because engineering we want engineers to be really well trained and, and have all these classes and that was really just gonna take more time than I I wanted to. So at that decision, or at that point, I made the decision that I was probably not gonna be an engineer and that I was gonna be able to help move the ball forward on those things that I cared about, specifically climate change and environmental stuff, in a different realm, i.e. politics or, or public policy. And so I made the decision at that time to switch not to public affairs, which is actually my master's degree, so I don't know if you're even thinking about graduate school, but graduate school is like a scam that you have to go to do after college is over. And I at that time, I decided to do interdepartmental studies, which is like a fancy way of saying choose your own adventure for your college major. And so I took some of my engineering classes and some of my interest in economics and paired that together with a degree called sustainability studies, which I think is actually now like an official degree. I think it helped kind of. Essentially, trying to take a more holistic look uh, at sustainability issues, and that was what then helped me finish my degree, kind of on my my calendar, my schedule, relatively quickly, and got me back out to doing some more advocacy work. But that has then laid a really good foundation academically for me to then go to graduate school, get my master's degree in public uh, affairs, which I got at the.
0: Okay, that's quite the adventure with colleges. Yeah, definitely. um, And by the
1: way, my my big upshot from all of that for any high school student who's listening to this would be, when you're in college, you know, if you you go to college if college is right for you, you know, say yes to stuff, show up to stuff. You know, there are, the, the reason that my whole life got turned upside down was because I said yes to the opportunity to go speak to the legislature. And if I had said, no, I don't feel like I don't want to stay home and play video games or, like, no, I just want to go drink at Summit or whatever, whatever, like, that just wouldn't, you know, like, I'm sure I would have had a perfectly fun night, but, you know, I would have missed out on this opportunity that really changed my life and put me on a completely unexpected trajectory. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: So my question, like, this is more pertaining to college, but do you think West High prepared you for college and your career so far?
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. He's not a principal, I think, but Mitch Gross is mm-hmm. my high school U.S. history teacher. Uh, Tyson Smith, I think, is still teaching at West, yes. and he was my economics teacher. Uh, Carolyn Van Zanti has since retired, but she was my English 10 honors teacher, and I took English 10 honors at the same time. Tyson Smith used to teach European history, and taking those two classes at the same time was very much a rite of passage for like, a, lot of, a lot of West High students. Probably the thing that made the most difference in my life was the time that I had on the speech and debate team. I did both the speech, which is kind of more on the theater acting side, as well as the debate. I did public forum debate, which is a little bit less uh, intellectually rigorous, like policy debate is, but is still very focused on presenting information. and, And especially in public service, that's a really key skill. And so I think both between the academic classes that I had and a lot of the friendships that I made you know, with, with friends who are still very important to, to me in my life uh, today that I've been in, in high school. Uh, and the lessons learned, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, my next question is, um, as, a dem- as a Democratic um, senator in a, like, Republican-majority state government, how do you push, like, things that are on your agenda that they might not see the same, like, see agree with you on?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, one of my responsibilities is to look for opportunities to, to find those policy wins where there is bipartisan agreement and to help make sure that that bipartisan agreement includes democratic priorities. And sometimes this happens in ways that aren't intuitive. Sometimes you have to be creative and you have to think about how to put things together. And it's kind of, it's kind of hard to give you an immediate example, but. You know, one thing that is really important is trying to look at an issue and say, okay, does this have to be a Democratic versus Republican issue, or can this just be a bipartisan issue that we agree on? Even if Democrats and Republicans have different ideas about how to solve the problem, and there are a lot of bipartisan bills that we do where the, the bills would look a little different if Democrats were the ones in charge, but we agree on enough stuff that we can get to bipartisan compromise, and, and looking for those opportunities, and then you know sometimes having to resist, there's there's definitely in a partisan political environment there's a temptation to be kind of automatically make everything partisan, and resisting that is, is part of my job, is to figure out okay, let's step back here is this, does this have to be a political thing or can this be a policy thing that is not as partisan and and so that definitely takes some work and takes some, um, some focus and then I think that there are also a lot of different, and this is also where I would say I, I really depend on, on my staff, I, we've got uh, a fantastic staff at the Capitol, people whose job it is to provide senators with some history and some context, and to help us see, okay, help us see the bigger picture here, and and that's where I think the staff also plays a really critical role on those issues that may not have to be partisan, Democrat, or Republican. You know, in a, in a frankly pitch, I'd say probably almost 80% of the bills that we do are nonpartisan partisan you know, Democrats versus Republicans. I mean, even just uh, yesterday, we had uh, probably 10 bills that we debated, and I think only one of them there was a disagreement between Democrats and Republicans on the bill. Now, the ones that get the most news coverage are the ones that are the most controversial and the public is the most interested in, and all that stuff. But, you know, there are still, I think, a, a very significant number of bills that Democrats and Republicans are able to work on together.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty cool, actually.
1: Yeah. Huh. yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. And like, frankly, this job would be really hard if we lost up 100% of the bills. So, <laughs> um, you know, the fact that we're able to find those opportunities to work together on bipartisan mm-hmm. bills helps helps us get through the day when, mm-hmm. you know, otherwise it's, it can sometimes be pretty tough. Because to, to your point, this is definitely a state that has been trending Republican over the last few election cycles. Mm-hmm. And and I think part of a big part of what my job is helping kind of turn that tide around mm-hmm. and, and try to figure out the democratic path back to power.
0: Yeah. Um, are there any lessons that you've learned through your career, or struggles you've had to overcome?
1: Oh man, Paige, how much time do you have? <laughs> uh, what, why don't you Why do you get a little bit more specific for me? What kind What kind What kinds of questions, or what kinds of lessons, are you most interested
0: in? Like I don't know, ones that might have changed your. You might have come into like politics having this like one idea about something, but then. Having experienced it and working in the capital, like you have a completely different perspective or something. a
1: good question. So okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a couple of articles. So I've mm-hmm. written about this a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and I'm actually working on like a kind of a retrospective. So like, what are like the big ten lessons that? I've Mm-hmm. So if you give me just a little bit, I can actually preview some of that with you here. You I want mean, okay. drop a link in the Zoom. <laughs> okay, 14 lessons about politics and power for my first year in the Iowa Senate. I'm going to put that in the chat box there. Yep. And then let me... Um, of some of the lessons that I'm, I'm working on this other piece right now, but I'm happy to give this food to the scoop uh, to the OSS story. <laughs> um, one second. Okay. So um, a couple of things that have been, um, that I've learned that have really kind of, so just the, the one kind of important piece of my story, in addition to the speech going viral 10 years ago and then kind of being in politics, is that I also spent several years leading a national help overturn discrimination in the Boy Scouts of America against LGBT people. So the Boy Scouts was a very important part of my life growing up. Um, I don't think your listeners can, can see this, but hanging over my right shoulder in my home office is my Eagle Scout certificate yeah. that I earned in 2006 uh, from Boy Scout Troop 212 here in the Iowa City area. And, um, you know, so the, the work that I did with the Scouts was also really, really kind of important. I would say one of the most important lessons that I've learned is, you know, that, you know, on any individual day, the most that you can do is your best. And some days that will be enough and some days that won't be enough, but you'll be able to sleep a lot better if you know that you have given it your best. And, you know, we're in a time in our culture where there's a lot of emphasis self-care and like taking time for yourself. And that's really important. And and we should take that very seriously. And we also should not let that be an excuse for not doing our best Mm -hmm. when we need to do our best. Um, You know, one one of the challenges with being a legislator is that you often don't really know how the effort that you're putting in is affecting the eventual outcome. So I'll give you just one short example which is that when the legislature reconvened back in June last summer after we disbanded briefly for the COVID pandemic, on the very first day we were back I gave the to do something about what had happened. And this speech that I gave was really, really impassioned, and then it sparked some real debate on the floor of the Senate after the speech was over. And we really, really got into it. And it was completely unclear when we were done with that debate if at the end of all of those words said it had made an ounce of difference. And it was just completely unclear. And it's, it was one of those things where it was like really, really frustrating. Because it's like, I worked really hard on that speech. I was really present in the debate. I really feel like I did my best today. And I have no idea whether or not this is actually going to result in anything happening. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you this. Having given it my best, I slept really well that night. And then the second thing is... Less than a week and a half later the governor was signing into law a bipartisan reform bill that was the most change to you know uh, police reform mm-hmm. in decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so there are, but I'll also say there are plenty of times where I've kind of kind of done similar thing, put in a lot of work, a lot of effort, and you don't get the win. And and so it can be really tough, it can be really, really hard have to do your best and knowing that some days it won't be enough but that on the days where you do have the energy, the ability to give your best, um, you'll feel really good when that day is over Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that another thing that Sense of like how to do that, Um, but like I think that that's something that I've just observed is that there are a lot of people who want to feel good about politics again, because people feel really bad about politics now. I mean, which is completely understandable, right? Things are really partisan, really polarized. Like a lot of people feel, you know, a lot of Democrats feel like if you're not a Democrat, you're evil, and a lot of Republicans feel like or whatever, right? And there's just, like, a lot of really deep distrust on both sides. And then there's, like, a lot of people who are, like, the whole two-party system is fundamentally broken and, you know, want to blow up the whole system. And, and So, um, yeah, I mean, we're in a really tough spot right now as a country. And I, I wish that I had all the answers for you, Paige. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you that the last thing that any of us could do is just throw our hands up and and walk away from, from this process. Mm-hmm. This country has gone through incredibly difficult challenges in the past. Mm-hmm. And we have always, always overcome those challenges. And even though we have never been perfect, we have always become more perfect. And it has become more perfect because there have been women and men who have been willing to put their shoulders to the wheel and just push as hard as they can to make this a better place to that you make that happen is by getting involved and showing up and doing the work. Um, and that's the only way that things have ever gotten better in this country. Um, so I think those are probably two two lessons that I would I would mm-hmm. start with. The first one is is you know do your best um, and the second
0: I definitely feel like those, especially the second one, is important lessons right now. Um, uh, My next question is, do you have any advice for students who are looking to pursue a career in politics? Like, do you have any skills that they should look into improving, like, public speaking, debate, like you said?
1: Yeah, that's a great great question. And I would actually, I'll give a counterintuitive answer, which is not public speaking, and in fact is writing you mm-hmm. want to be good in politics, you should really focus on your writing. Mm-hmm. Um, because to succeed in politics, you do need to be good at speaking. That's definitely true. Um, but so much of good speaking is good writing. Because mm-hmm. good speaking flows from having like good speaking material and the way that you have good speaking material is by being good at writing. So mm-hmm. I, my advice to anybody who really wants to get into politics is to, to really focus on, on uh, writing. And one of the most important things for writing is reading. So, it's a long way of saying, if you really want to get into politics, like, you should read more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to read a lot. Um, I've got a, a lot of books, as my staff will tell you, at my office, both uh, at home and at the Capitol. Um, and reading is, is a really, really important part of being a leader of any kind. Um, because life is too short to make all the mistakes yourself. you got to learn from the mistakes of others. And, like, the best way to do that is to read books and talk with people I would also say that, so first thing is like focus on your writing skills, and as a part of that, your reading. Right, Um, reading history is always good. Um, There's like a lot of history in this country, and like there's a lot of history in politics. So you have like a lot of material. And by the way, when you're in school, it's like your whole thing is like read. So you know, take your reading seriously when you're when you're a student, Um, and when you're in college, right? Like do the reading. You know, that's an important part of student and being an effective leader is being able to do a lot of reading, um, and then that translates into a lot of other really important skills for politics and for, frankly, any, anything else. I mean, not, not just politics. Um, but in politics, if you're trying to, like, win elections, um, you've got to get votes. And the way that you get votes is that people know who you are, and so if you want people to know who you are, you have to, like, be a part of your community. You have to, and this kind of, might be a recurring theme here, but you got to go, like, show up and go do stuff. Now, it's a little hard when we're in the middle of a whiteout blizzard like we are when we're taping this podcast and like it's hard when we're in the middle of a global pandemic, which we've now been in for like almost a year, but I would say that when, you know, the pandemic is over and even during the pandemic, looking for opportunities to be there for your classmates, to be a part of your community, I will say this: old people always love it when young people show up to stuff because it, one, helps them feel like young people care about the stuff that they care about, which makes them feel better about themselves. And two, it's just like, it's always good to see young people, like, getting involved in the community. And so, you know, trying to figure out ways to, to participate in and with community organizations that already exist, starting your own organization if an organization doesn't exist, um, and then just, like, showing up and doing the work. I mean, there's literally no more important thing than being engaged in your community if you want to be successful in politics, simply because that's what helps people get to know who you are. And... That's like the most important thing in terms of kind of getting your name out there to be an effective uh, you know, person who wants to be elected
0: office. I definitely think those are good ideas. Yes, um, West Side Story actually is partnering with a local senior center and we're writing like profiles
1: over the
0: elderly residents there. And I feel like. That's awesome. Yes.
1: And I'm sure that, and I'm sure that they love that, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yes, my partner. And it, and it, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just saying, my partner, I met her and. She has, like, the most exciting life story. She, like, lived in Brazil, and she was a professional musician. It was so interesting. And, and Paige, people are like that all
1: over this state. I mean, my favorite part of campaigning is door-knocking, because when you get to talking with people on their doorstep, I mean, people have incredible stories, and they have all of this incredibly rich life experience, and then that often will lead to, like, really insightful things to say about the state of politics. I mean, I think that there's, like... This very unfortunate view that some people have, especially people who are like you know have a lot of education, is like ah most people don't know anything about politics, and like that's just completely false. Most people have this incredibly rich life experience, which then connects them to all kinds of interesting things in in our political world. Now, most people may not have like a very uh, quote unquote partisan coherent right; they may not check every single box for a Republican or for a Democrat, but that doesn't mean that they don't, don't know stuff about. And it's really, really important for people who are really partisan and, and have a very coherent, quote, a partisan, coherent view to not think that just because somebody doesn't have that, that they don't know about politics. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, I can definitely feel like that should be something applied to most high schoolers, especially yeah. ones who are just starting to get involved in like, politics as they get closer to voting age.
1: Okay, and I I know that we're already, like, moving on to the next question, but the Mm -hmm. last thing that I would really underscore for anybody who's getting into politics, and this is super important, um, do not think that you always have the answer. Mm -hmm. Like, humility is, especially for a young person getting into politics, like, super, super important. It's something that I am personally always working on to make sure that I'm not bringing in kind of my preconceived notions of, like, do do I have the answer, you know, and, like, and if somebody else has a better answer than I do, not getting defensive about not having had the right answer. Um, it's, you know, there's a fine line to walk between humility and, like, not having any self-confidence. Like, that can be especially challenging, especially for people who aren't, like, socialized as men. Uh, I think in, in our society that we often sometimes give young men a little too much confidence, and that's like why, especially for those those folks, I would say it's, like, kind of check yourself, make sure that you're thinking critically about what you're doing, and that you're not steamrolling over other people uh, along the way. Uh, that's something that's really, really important in politics. It's important in life generally, but I say it's special.
0: Yes. Okay. My, I know we don't have too much time left, so let's... I mean, coo- we, got, we got a little bit more time. So okay. Nice. Um, I know you wrote a book, and I know writing a book is not easy, so what was the process like to write your book? And then I also know getting published is another task in and of itself, so was it hard to find a publisher?
1: Yeah, so I will say that I had a very unusual experience in this because my book... Process really came out of the video of my testimony going viral uh, a decade ago, and that was like we were still at the very, very kind of early stage of like stuff going viral and that becoming like a book deal. Um, But that was exactly what happened for me, which was that I had I gave the speech on Monday, January thirty first, two thousand eleven. The video was uploaded the next day. It was really starting to go viral. Wednesday of that week, and then by Thursday or maybe Friday, I had several book agents reach out to me and say, "Hey, like I think that you could write a book about your experience." And so that's usually the exact opposite of how this goes. Usually, somebody has an idea for a book. If it's fiction, you have to like write the whole manuscript. If it's nonfiction, you have to write a book proposal, which is usually like a couple of chapters and then like an outline for what the rest of the book will be. And then you have to like convince an agent that like that's a good idea. And then your agent will take the book out to different publishers and, and try to sell the book to the publisher. Um, so I had a very unusual experience, um, but we did have to go through the process of like putting together a book proposal and, and that whole deal. Um, and that was very you know a very eye opening process. And like I'm trying to do this while I'm still in college, so like I'm still running a calculus class and like physics and like working on my book proposal. It was very strange, um, but managed to start summer, so I gave the speech in the winter, the January, and then February, and then we sold the book in April of that year, and then in we turned the final draft in in December, so like still in 2011, um, went to a kind of some final copy edits and stuff, and then it was on bookshelves like April 24th or something like that of 2012, so just about maybe year and three months after I gave the speech, Um, and then that was actually what what kind of would segue like straight into the campaign around uh, the Boy Scouts and Scouts for Equality and that whole effort.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, I just wanted to say thank you so much for making time to let me interview you. I appreciate it it so much.
1: it It was my pleasure. I'll talk to you a little later, Paige.
0: Bye.